Hello and welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch and review and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Chris and I'm here with Patrick. Hello. And back with us is Steven. We're glad that you're back. We missed you dearly on the last episode. He somehow survived being nuked in Vegas. Hey guys, glad to be back. Glad I missed did that you movie. Watch, you didn't watch our, did you watch Army of the Dead? I tried. Okay, so I remember on the, the episode where the movie was chosen, I said that I had watched like 30 minutes of it or something and thought it was fine. Must have been watching a different movie because I couldn't make it 15 minutes into this piece of shit. Wow. All right. Well, we'll we'll litigate that later, but we're here today to discuss. <laughs> no, the... we won't. <laughs> that was Not last interested. episode. Not interested. That was last episode. We can talk the, about it on Discord. Here, you must be must be present to to win. <laughs> we're here today to talk about the Indian film Game Over that we watched on Netflix this week, chosen for us by the Wheel of Death. But before we get into talking about Game Over, let's talk about horror in general. We'll do a little horror catch up. What, do you, what have you guys been uh, watching or reading or, or or gaming or experiencing that was horrific lately? Patrick. Horrific. Um, I don't know. I, I've been frustrated because I really want to see the black phone and I really want to watch mad God, but I haven't gotten to either of them yet. Cause life has been a crazy whirlwind. So, uh, just been plugging away at stranger things. Um, which I gotta say this, this season has been a banger. Got one more episode to, to knock out since the final two dropped, uh, yesterday as of this recording. Um, and I'm excited to wrap that up. Otherwise, um, Listening to Faculty of Horror. Just I'll just give Faculty of Horror another plug. If you're not listening to Faculty of Horror already, it's a great fucking podcast. And they just did an episode on superhero horror where they uh, discussed Blade and Constantine, which was a fun conversation and made me want to watch the famous piece of shit that is Constantine that I've never um, partaken in. So that's about it for me. I've been wanting to see Constantine since it came out in theaters, but I never, never did. What interested you about it? Uh, just the aesthetic and, you know, it kind of looked cool. It had Keanu Reeves, who was cool at that time. And it was like, I was like, hell yeah, like a noir, a a cop and there's demons and shit. There's a, there's a Dracula. Let's do it. Yeah. Faculty of horror really made me want to finally read some Constantine comics. I mean, as a comics nerd, I've read stuff where Constantine appears because he's one of those characters that just always kind of waltzes in and out of the background of various DC stories. Um, But I've never read any of the original Constantine stuff, which I believe Alan Moore wrote some of it. And uh, Faculty of Horror's take on kind of the politics of Constantine, as intended by Alan Moore, was really fascinating to me. Uh, Basically, he's supposed to be sort of a leftist anti-hero fighting uh, horror threats that sort of uh, represent the right-wing death cult, which all uh, definitely intrigued me. So listen to Faculty of Horror. We've been we've been told to repeat things that we're promoting during horror catch up because it's it can be hard for folks to keep track of the title through the whole spiel. So Stranger Things, you might have heard of it and Faculty of Horror. Those are my picks for this week. Just briefly, Patrick, uh, I've never watched Stranger Things. Oh, boy. The first season came out and it was all anyone was talking about. And they said, Chris, you got to watch Stranger Things. You got to watch Stranger Things. Why aren't you watching Stranger Things? Like most of the time when people tell me that stuff, I ignored it. And then I didn't hear a lot about Stranger Things for season two, season three. Hmm. And now I guess we're on season four, four and a half. Uh, Should I watch Stranger Things, Patrick? Uh, I don't know. You may. uh, you would you might get a little bogged down in some of the references. It does get a little referency at times, and that can be annoying. But the character work and the acting is extremely strong. And um, especially this season, there's just some some really fun stuff happening with the characters and some very affecting stuff. I mean, I've been choked up multiple times this season. On a character level, it's just really charming and engaging. Um I understand why people get sick of some of the referencey stuff, but I've been enjoying it. I don't know. Right. That's not really a that's not really no, that's a, an answer to your question, but That's helpful. That makes me more interested in it than I was before. Yeah. yeah. Um all right, Stephen, how about you? What have you been consuming? Well, I've been off for a while, so I have a lot. Um, I'll keep each of these as brief as possible. Just just give us your top 10, like Letterman. 
I, I got I got five. One of them's not even a horror thing, but whatever. Okay, so I'm having so much fun on the Discord. If you're listening, please join us over there. We're having some great mm-hmm. conversation. I led a little book club that's going to, I think, continue. Uh, we started last month with The Last House on Needless Street by Catriona Ward. Uh, nobody seemed to like it myself included but we had some robust conversation about that clunker and we are going to read thomas old huvelt's novel hex for july so if you like to read and i hope you do pick that up join us on the discord well and we should say like the discord since this is still new folks may not even know what we're talking about but there's now an amon discord where you can discuss everything from our, our latest movies we've watched to any horror thing you want to talk about and also all kinds of shit that's not horror too we have a fucking channel for just cat pics um so it's it's been really fun fun community if, and we'll drop a line in the show uh a link yeah we'll drop a link in the show notes uh for you to go check that out if you want if to. you're not if you're not hip if you're not a gamer if you're not a zoomer you might not even be familiar with discord but it's like uh it, it's it's like the aol chat rooms of old but new it's like slack but for people you choose to associate with <laughs> instead of just your coworkers. um if you're familiar with any of those things uh you get the idea it's it's, it's kind of like a forum but there's not really threads it's more of a chat but it's not really real time unless a lot of people are on at the same time uh there's a j emoji there's a j emoji we have our own emojis uh so yeah i don't know just just come by and say hi it's it's a it's a great place to interact uh with us but uh yeah steven i i really uh i i don't read but i i I like your book club (laughs) (laughs) Um, i i'm always surprised when a book club like takes off um and and you know you had the idea and i was like oh man i wonder if that's gonna get participation but it's been booming in there and people have been following along and reading and having good discussions and it makes me want to pick up a book great well i just told you which one to pick up and patrick uh at, at patrick's request in August, we're going to be reading the new, um, not, not, I almost said Jacob Tremblay, <laughs> the new <laughs> Paul Tremblay novel, The Paul Bearers Club. Uh, but back to my picks, uh, I watched Phil Tippett's Mad God, which Patrick alluded to earlier. Um, this is on Shudder. If, if you're not familiar, this has been getting actually some kind of mainstream attention just because of the... Um, the story behind it and the sheer spectacle of this film, but this is a 90-minute, st- mostly stop-motion animated uh, film that's kind of a stream-of-consciousness journey through hell. At least that's how I interpreted it. It took Phil Tippett, a uh, special effects master who's worked on everything from Star Wars to, I think, even Alien. Uh, he made this thing himself over the course of 30 years, and it is, it's impressive. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. But I had a lot of fun watching with a group of people and some uh, mind-altering substances. And that's how I would recommend you check out Mad God on Shudder. And two other quick things from Shudder. I finally saw Louis Teague's Alligator, written by John Sayles. Um, the cover for this always intrigued me, as well as the, the premise. A baby alligator's flushed down the toilet <laughs> and, uh, and becomes genetically mutated in the sewers and goes on a rampage. And I gotta say, the alligator fucking rocks in this movie. It doesn't look cheap ever. It crashes a wedding at one point in maybe one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in a horror movie. Um, it's gen- genuinely thrilling and hilarious. And lastly, I caught up with Hellbender. Have we talked about this at all, guys? Has that been on y'all's radar? No. (laughs) I played a shitty computer game called Hellbender when I was a child, but I'm pretty sure that's not what you're talking about. No, and I watched this a few weeks ago, so my my memory isn't great. I mean, I don't know that I would exactly recommend it, but it's pretty impressive. There's this family called the Adams Family, of all things, that uh, makes movies together. Uh, They had another film a few years ago called The Deeper You Dig that I want to check out. And uh, this is about a a mother-daughter kind of musician duo. The daughter is told that she can't have any contact with the outside world because of some kind of illness that she has. But she ends up kind of making some friends, doing a little bit of partying. And it it turns out that, um, I mean, I I don't think it's a spoiler. There's some witchcraft involved in this film. And we find out more about her terrifying origin and powers and why her mother wants to keep her shut off from society it's got a pretty cool soundtrack like there are full-on music videos of in it in it of the the mom and the daughter uh jamming out together 
And it's really impressively made for something that seemingly has no budget and is just a family affair. But, you know, that said, uh, even as forgiving as I was toward it, it it gets a little cringy at times. But I'm excited to see. I mean, this movie is getting a lot of buzz. I'm excited to see what these these family members do with maybe a bigger budget on their next feature. Yeah, I heard about that and I was very curious about it. Um, oh, okay. So the, this is the last thing. Just because I missed the last episode and I wanted to uh, drop a, a pride pick that's not horror. I don't know if either of you have heard of the movie Fire Island that's on Hulu. This is written by and starring Joel Kim Booster, My Bay, and mm. it's a really fun, mostly light kind of romp around Fire Island from the perspective of people who don't really fit in with sort of the 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 rich white masculine tone that is that is generally set there um this is about people who don't have money people who are of minorities that are typically shunned in the gay world and it's about them kind of having their last summer there and trying to find love trying to hold on to their friendships while their lives are about to change dramatically and it's a really fun sweet cute gay movie and if you haven't heard of Joel Kim Booster, he's fucking hilarious. So check that out. I've never heard of Fire Island. Really? Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I've heard of Temptation Island. Oh, well, Google the Fire Island. It's an island off of New York City that is a is a has been a gay mecca since God, I don't know, the forties or the fifties, maybe. No. Okay. Yeah. So this is not horror. Is, is, is it like Cuba where it hasn't it's stuck in the forties and fifties and they're driving old cars and shit? <laughs> No, it's very trendy. It's very trendy. Oh, that's, that's disappointing. Um, anyway, that's all I got. Uh, shall, shall we get into game over? Well, yeah, because Chris... I really don't. I don't have much. I, I went to the 40th oh, anniversary sorry. screening of the thing. Uh, oh God, that's, that's yeah. All. The one I went to the Sunday one, which was in the wrong aspect ratio and was a shit show, but it was still <laughs> it was it was fine. If you didn't, I was like, I think this looks wrong, but it was hard to put my finger on it, and I don't think if you, you know. Obviously, it's a crime against cinema to have an anniversary re-release like that. But if you saw it for the first time in the fucked up aspect ratio, I don't think you would have a bad experience. Um, but yeah, what can you say? The thing, it holds up for all the reasons you know it holds up. Uh, I hate to say I've never really... I don't feel like I'm ever really on the thing's level. Like hmm. people are like, oh, this is a masterpiece. It it never really strikes me as a masterpiece. I don't think hmm. it really works for me thematically, but as a good little atmospheric spook show with good effects... I like it. So. Wow. I'm very surprised by that take, Chris. I thought yeah. this seemed like really? one of the most Chris movies of all time. Yeah, I thought you loved huh. that movie. I I don't I don't not love it, and it's it's probably one of Carpenter's better movies. Uh, it just I just never feel like I'm getting it. Hmm. What can I say? Yeah, I love it. I'm staring down a poster of it right now. Actually, that's one of my favorites. A good. It's a good summer, like Saturday afternoon movie when it's like ninety fucking degrees outside. You crank up the <laughs> Just AC, to cool you and down, hang out with the thing in Antarctica, <laughs> wherever I mean, the hell they are. It's great. I don't, I don't love Alien either, and I feel like they're kind of very similar. Hmm. Hot takes. Wow, hmm. sizzling. Wow. Yeah, we could do anyway. a we could do a whole mini sode on that, or, or a, <laughs> a maxi sode probably. I, I'm gonna get canceled. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, our movie for today, though, is Game Over, and it's so good, it's on Netflix three times <laughs> in three different languages. And I think the story is they shot two of these um, simultaneously, where they just did the scenes over in different language uh, with, with, you know, multilingual actors. And then one of them, I think the Hindi version, is actually just dubbed. Uh, and I watched the uh, Tamil version, and I don't know what you guys watched. It probably doesn't make a difference. I watched uh, Telugu. I think we all watched the version. I watched the version, Hindi version, right? yes, yeah, so we got yeah. this covered. Oh, you did? You watched yeah. the dub, Steven. So I, I would the not trifecta. have been able to tell it was dubbed if it was, in fact, dubbed. But anyway. Oh, okay. Um, but this is the story of a... Uh, as, as the synopsis says, she's a video game designer slash developer... Uh, works from home. She's the survivor of a traumatic experience where she was uh, attacked, assaulted, etc., and is now sort of, um, you know, very shaken by the experience, uh, having a hard time, you know, being out in the world, doesn't like the dark, especially, has a fear of the dark. And she has a little gamer tattoo, and the gamer tattoo starts burning, and she starts to 
she's like, what's going on? Why is it burning? This coincides with the one year anniversary of some heinous serial killings, which we see in the opening of the movie, uh, at least one of them. And so our hero is trying to figure out she's on her own journey of recovery. Mm -hmm. And then she's also trying to figure out like, why is my tattoo burning? And why do I have a sensation that like something bad is about to happen as the anniversary of my assault approaches? I think that's as good of a synopsis as I can give you for this one. It's, it's, it's kind of a weird movie. It's definitely a weird one. God, now that you lay it out like that, it it's, sounds an awful lot like Paul Verhoeven's L, doesn't it? Hmm. I could see some parallels with a video game developer thing. who is brutally assaulted in her own home. Yeah. I don't know. It's the very way, the way I don't think there's any other parallels, but that's it's a strange enough concept yeah. on its own. I can't believe there are two movies that have that basic premise. It reminded mm-hmm. me strongly. Well, I mean, certainly the way it approaches the assault and the way she processes the assault is quite different from Al. Yeah. But it also reminded me strongly of um, uh, Hush. Yeah. And, We'll get hmm. into that a lot more in the spoiler room. I feel like a lot of this is going to be in the spoiler room because there's a fairly shocking development not too long into the movie, that which is nonetheless spoiled in like the preview image on Netflix, but it's still one of those things where I'm like, eh, mm. that's, a, yeah. that's a shocker. Even, yeah, I have a even funny, when you I have know a funny story about that, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the movie starts off and like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I realize that maybe I don't take horror movies on Netflix that seriously anymore because this movie starts off and it was like, it's harrowing found footage from the point of view of a serial killer who is stalking a woman, eventually nabs the woman, suffocates the woman, decapitates the woman, burns the woman's corpse, punts her severed head through the uprights of a football field. (laughs) And, it was horrifying to me. Yeah, me too. It was it was legitimately scary, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, is this actually a terrifying movie that I'm watching right now? Because, and I realized, like, I don't even, I usually don't entertain that as a possibility. I'm like, I'm never sitting down for one of these Netflix movies anymore, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm about to be terrified. I'm about to see something scary." Huh. Um, even though certainly we do. I don't. I don't know. But but it, it definitely set me up for like. I was like, "Oh, is this going to be you know." 90 minutes of bad road as james cameron would say <laughs> and it's really not and that was disappointing i was misled as well chris you know i anymore <laughs> i go into these movies i'm not gonna lie i got pretty stoned before i threw this on i thought this is just gonna be trash like everything else i was shaken by that opening and thought okay maybe i need to cool down a little bit wait before i come back to this and then almost immediately after that i was cackling left right and center writing down funny lines <laughs> funny observations <laughs> turns out that's oh, about I as scary it, I as it, it gets oh i disagree there are there are multiple terrifying and harrowing moments in this movie that i mean that may be one of the the most terrifying or harrowing um and it certainly opens extremely strong but uh it's very tense and mm. and upsetting at various points it me. never hits for me. It never hits the high of the opening. And I, and I thought it was a novel concept too. I'm sure this has been done, but like, I don't think I've seen a movie where it's like found footage, but it's from the point of view of the killer. I'm sure that's been done. Uh, the movie I worked on last girl, that is, that is the concept of it. And I remember even at the time thinking, man, it feels like this has been done to death. But now that I think about it, yeah, maybe there aren't many movies where the killer is the one with the camera. Well, Henry, um, I mean, I, Henry does some of that. Henry, right? Henry Portrait yeah. of a Serial Killer has a scene like that, which yeah. is very oh, powerful. Right, right, yeah. But 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 it's I mean, that's not like the point of the movie, obviously. It, but there's just something and there's something that makes it scarier because like it's like you're detached from the action enough that there's like a banality to it. That's just kind of extra creepy when you're seeing these people die and there's just like someone's recording it on a handy cam. Well, but we should clarify. It's not a found footage movie. Like the, the, the no, scenes, but... many of the scenes where the killer is stalking somebody are shown from the killer's point of view, but the vast majority of it is not. Right. That. Just, that's just the beginning of the movie. And then right. it's like very conventionally shot, very well shot. Actually. It's, I think so too. This is, I just moved and I haven't had access to my good TV since like March and this is like the first thing I watched on it and I was blown away at how good and colorful the mo- this movie was and how good everything looked and all the light f- 
filtering through the windows and hitting our heroine in the back of the head was very nice. <laughs> There's a lot of great like camera movement in this as well. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was exceptionally directed. Yeah. And kind of like the main uh, sort of hook or the main uh, sort of, I guess, fatal flaw or whatever for our protagonist is she it has an extreme fear of night and darkness, um, which mm-hmm. is tied to her PTSD from this assault. I mean, rape. I think it's, it's described as a rape in, in a newspaper headline because it's a, it, it, I, I appreciate the restraint they used in communicating the horror of what happened to her while also not like graphically depicting it even with mm-hmm. all the flashbacks we see, but it's, it's pretty specifically stated that she was raped during a new year's party, uh, some time ago. And because that happened in the dark, she has now this extreme fear of the dark where she sleeps very poorly. And when she does wake up in the middle of the night, she immediately like, freaks out and has to turn a light on. And of course this causes lots of problems for mm-hmm. the, uh, the events of the film. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of misdirection too. I don't know if it's a. I don't think it's a spoiler to say this, but the movie kind of makes you think that this woman's a survivor of the serial killer that you saw in the prologue, mm-hmm. but she's not. It's it's a unrelated assault, but you better believe she's going to cross paths with that serial killer <laughs> mm. by the end of the movie. I actually didn't think that she was a victim of the serial killer. That's interesting. Oh, I did. Well, because they both, both the, the assailants like use video cameras, I think. Mm. And, um, you know, just the way I, I think there was something about one of her flashbacks that kind of rhymed with, um, the stuff that we saw in the prologue, Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, not the least of which that our heroine got her tattoo at the same tattoo parlor as the victim from the prologue. Cause Mm -hmm. the victim had like Mm -hmm. three tattoos on her arm. Um, so, so you know, there's connection there, um, but what that connection is 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 ambiguous for much of the movie. She's living on her own for the most part. She is living. She is estranged from her family, uh, largely because her parents have blamed her for her assault, and you know, uh, it, it's not your fault, but you could have avoided it. That sort of thing. Um, you know, what were you doing going out like that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, victim blaming and so on. Uh, and she's living with someone who I'm not quite sure of the relationship. It's like maid. her Alfred. She's she's described as a maid, I think, at a certain okay. point. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Housekeeper. A yeah. maid, but like they have a they have a familial relationship. Yeah, and I mean she's basically a live in maid is the impression we get. Like she's never not mm-hmm. around, it seems. Yeah, and it's like I for a minute I thought it was like maybe her sister or something that the way that they are close and seem to care about each other, but it's just yeah, it, she is just sort of the maid servant whatever. We don't really know much about this person's uh, backstory or, or or family other than apparently she buys a lot of signs at Hobby Lobby because she's got like every <laughs> oh, every man. chintzy like uh, you know eat sleep game repeat like all those signs on her gaming (laughs) yeah like all those like canvas signs all over her bedroom slash office um a little bit on the nose but she is a gamer she is a she is a gamer and and not a a side note you know listen we we all play a little bit of games in this group (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, with each other with our playstations mind games (laughs) depictions of gaming that are good are so rare on screen no one no one games like a normal gamer in the movies like this woman who's a video game designer spends her days like trying to beat the high score on pac-man and like <laughs> right. you know she's got a super mario poster it's like it's like someone who doesn't game writing a gamer and being like yeah she plays she still plays pac-man that's cool that's what gamers do they want to beat the high score <laughs> Well, and like when she's playing Pac-Man, she's listening to like a trap remix of the Super Mario Brothers theme song. Yeah. They really just double down on the lack of authenticity. There. Yeah. So maybe she just likes the old school shit, man. Well, her closet is like a museum of video game history. There's a scene where yeah. she's kind of locks herself in there later, and it's like every kind of had to pause and look around. It's like every system known to man yeah. is stacked up in there. I appreciated that set decoration too. Yeah, which I, I I was like, is this supposed to be like because she she needs it for her job? But like, 
I think a, a real world video game developer these days just has like 20 different cell phones like out to like test their shit on, not mm. like a Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Anyway, she's a gamer. What else is there to say about this movie without I... getting into spoilers? <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably not a lot. Um, but I really liked her performance. I thought she was a really strong protagonist and um yeah this this lead actress does a really nice job because this character is going through a lot yeah i mean she's really good i still feel like um like the character is a little bit undercooked again we're talking about how she's like this gamer stereotype and like that is her entire personality aside from you her know trauma. the sexual assault yeah. which is um you know also kind of a lazy way to draw the character as well but I've seen worse, and she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. No problem with the acting in this movie. Speaking of gaming, there's, there seems to they're trying to do thematic stuff with the gaming, but I can't put my finger on it, so I won't. I won't try to speculate as to what it means. Also, possibly with the murderers slash rapists like recording their acts on camera and stuff. There and there might be something going on about. You know, screen time. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what the movie is trying to say. But I, I, I say this because like something that happens early on is she goes to see her her therapist who's trying to help her out with her PTSD, and he's like, "Look, we're gonna. I got a little like VR simulator. We're gonna put mm-hmm. you in a virtual dark room, <laughs> and she wears a little headset, and then their rooms get darker. And I thought that was she kind plays of a little fun. PT. Yeah, <laughs> plays a little PT. Um, he's got like I got a bootleg version of PT. Chef, this is really fucking cool. <laughs> um i just thought they were you know i thought that was interesting and uh sort of a that was actually a good depiction of of gaming that i haven't seen before where it's like oh here's like gaming in in an educational setting or a therapeutic setting Uh, but i don't know i don't know if it if it adds up to anything but i feel like there's some through lines about the gaming that that are important i mean the title of the movie is game over i mean i don't well and one of those those um little uh samplers or whatever you call them those little signs in her room that we see early on is like what if life is just a video game and deja vu or checkpoints yeah. and then like that we see it multiple times and like i'm still kind of turning over what that might mean for the the broader themes of the movie oh, it's I, like hush oh as far as i'm <laughs> concerned we'll into that well yeah i was gonna say this is like spoiler territory but as far as i'm concerned that sign explains more or less what happens at the end of the movie and the video game thing I don't know that there's a lot going on thematically. I think it's more a way to create a, um, I guess, bordering on clever reason for some narrative structural things that happen later in the movie that we will definitely get into in the spoiler room. But I hope now. there's more. I hope that the intent is more than that, because otherwise I feel like this movie is just another case of a really long wind up to a shitty punchline. You're yeah. always you're always looking for more themes than people actually put in the movies, I think. I am. We have high standards, think, Chris and I. I think I think people aren't trying to do as much as you think they are sometimes. Mm. We just wish they would. That's all. We need to go to the goddamn spoiler room because like freaky ass shit starts happening like twenty minutes into this thing. <laughs> yeah, but but let's let's just say like and and maybe uh, Patrick, you said you felt tense at, at, and there's certainly tension tense moments throughout this thing but it's largely sort of like a soap opera and it's largely mm-hmm. like kind of light in tone and it's this woman kind of dealing with her problems etc um i would of, not but, say light in tone but but go off mm, king okay arguably not light in tone but certainly the horror elements don't come back into it regularly am i wrong you're not wrong, at least as far as I'm concerned. No. I don't know. I disagree, but I don't know. But I was, I was. Tra- it take, took a long time for me to be like, what kind of movie is this? What genre is this? What's what's going on here? Anyway, yeah. Well, Chris, would you view it, cue it, or screw it? I uh, think that's the question we all want to know the answer to. Yeah, it's it's kind of impossible to talk more about without getting into spoiler territory. So I'll say. Screw it. I'm sorry. Not I have wow. no animus towards this film, but um it there's just not enough there for me. Not enough there for me. Um the opening I thought was chilling. Nothing else was chilling. I didn't like the ending. I think it made a that the narrative choices Patrick describes I just thought were kind of stupid and gimmicky and didn't feel emotionally satisfying in the way that they tried to make them. 
through various other plot devices, including like a 10 minute non-diegetic documentary <laughs> or something. Um, didn't work for me. So God bless him, but I got to say, screw it. Um, Patrick. Uh, I'll give it a view. I had a lot of fun with this. Um, it's, it is weird. It's a little bit of a hodgepodge of a few different uh, things and doesn't go quite where you think it's going to. But um, I liked the way it introduced like a certain supernatural element, but didn't really tip its hand as to if it was supernatural or, or not. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. That's so hard to attempt to even describe right now. I liked the way it handled the killer. I liked that it gave me a protagonist that I felt connected to and actually multiple characters that I felt well connected to. And I did like the ending. It was it was fun. It was unique. And I was cheering for our protagonist right through to the end. And uh, it satisfied me. So yeah, had a good time with this one. I guess that's... I've had a pretty good track record with these Indian horror movies at this point. I feel like I need to watch more Indian horror because I had a great time, of course, with our pal Jay. With this and uh and even fucking booth not still holds a special place in my oh heart oh my god oh my god steven tell us how hard oh, you screw it yeah you know what i was gonna give it a cue it but chris talked me down to a screw it <laughs> this review it's my pleasure you know, it's, it's not <laughs> it's not a bad movie i don't think i had some fun with it um laughing at it sometimes being entertained by it at others but i think ultimately it's kind of cheap and hollow um like on an emotional and thematic level just go watch hush that's the same thing Mm. but 10 times better Mm. i can respect that the sad thing is i think it tries really hard to be sincere and have Mm. some sort of meaning um didn't work for me but me either it might work for somebody Parts of this work better for work better for me than Hush, actually, and I love Hush, but elements of this work better for me than Hush. Just saying. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna stop being ambiguous and tell you everything that happens in this movie in just a moment. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we're gonna give you a little break in case you want to. Uh, go off and watch the movie for yourself without having it spoiled. And also, don't forget to check us out online. Uh, we are at Amoncast, uh, E-H-M-O-N cast, on the big three social media, or what used to be the legacy social media networks, <laughs> maybe we should say. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. MySpace, uh, also- Tumblr, and LiveJournal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should get on those. We should get on those. <laughs> We're also on Discord now, as, as we talked about. We'll leave that link in the show notes. And you can go to our broken website at everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. <laughs> and we have some content there for you and a link to a little store where you can buy some Every Horror Movie on Netflix merchandise. Does that link work? I haven't tested that in a while. Yes. Okay. Chris is like Trump. Like, we've just been using the broken website thing to troll him for like a couple months now. And he's just reclaimed it. He's just He's just absorbed it. The thing it's is, we can't, we can't stop plugging the website because at some point the website's going to be fixed and we need to have episodes where we're telling people to go to the website. <laughs> so you, you listener in the year 2032, <laughs> we're talking to you. The website works now. <laughs> you can go see every the list of all the movies we reviewed. Anyway, uh, so yeah, well, with no further ado, we'll head on to the spoiler room in just a few seconds. Welcome back. We're down here in the spoiler room getting ready to spoil everything about Game Over. What is there to say? Well, there's a fucking haunted tattoo for one. Yeah. This is the the driving totals on this movie are pretty wild. Um, <laughs> the, one, the One of the earliest plot twists we get is that this lady's tattoo is apparently haunted. Why? Because she went to a place called, what's the name of the shop? Immortal Inc. Immortal Inc. <laughs> and which, if the, if the name of the place didn't give it away, <laughs> like, they do memorial tattoos, which I think is a real thing, where you take cremated yeah. ashes of somebody who you love, and they mix them into tattoo ink. And then they tattoo you, and you're like, oh, I have a, I have a piece of me forever. But there was a horrible accident 
and they gave our heroine the memorial ink of another person. Who did they give whose ink? Whose dead body is in our heroine's wrist? Well, it was the woman from the prologue, the murder victim from the prologue, who was set on fire on a football field, but apparently they reclaimed enough of her ashes from the crime scene to mix them in with ink and give her a tattoo. Then we have to feel free to stop me at any time if you want to comment. Wait, I, 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 have, a, I have a question. So wait, our protagonist, was she go like, do they only do memorial ink like was she going there i did not did get that have... impression that they only do no they should just okay that, that's why it's kind of funny because it seems like immortal ink like is a specialty shop for this kind of thing and for all i know it exists in real life because we're treated to an infomercial <laughs> on immortal <laughs> ink that is like the best commercial you could ever want if you were an actual business in india um doing these kinds of tattoos I don't remember this. Maybe this is maybe this is only in the uh, the Tamil version. <laughs> could be. Tamil, could be. I don't know, however you say well, that. All right. So what? Wait, I have another question. I have another question. Sorry. Yeah. Do, uh, did any of you think for a moment, even just a brief second, that this actress was really getting that tattoo? Because that shit looked pretty realistic mm. when they were when they were putting the needle to the the skin and everything it did i didn't i didn't cross my mind but yeah probably or maybe there's like a different type of tattoo ink you can use that's not that dissolves i don't know mm. maybe mm. i don't know worth looking into yeah. i should have done that so event it's kind of a mystery like oh well who's ink she doesn't ask the the tattoo parlor person like has they have a big scene where she's like I'm so sorry. There's this horrible mistake. She doesn't ask whose ink it was, but then she finds out because the mother of the murder victim who had meant to get the tattoo meets her and is like, Oh, I'm so nice to meet you. That's my daughter in your tattoo pulls out a laptop or gives her (laughs) or gives her like a USB drive or something. And there's this, there's this 10 minute documentary on her daughter and how her daughter it's not the, 10 minutes. <laughs> it's it's kind of long, though. It's five minutes. It's maybe. not that long. It <laughs> is anyway. it is a weird way to introduce this information. but <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, it's not like, yeah, it just comes up on our screen. Like, here, here's the, here's what our character's seeing. The victim from the opening of the movie was actually a, also a cancer survivor who had gotten cancer three times. And three times she beat cancer before she was mm, heinously yeah. killed. After each time she got a little tattoo on her wrist that's like, I think it's like the like the cancer ribbon and the heart or something like that. She got that three times. And then she died. She was you know heinously killed, burned on the 50-yard line. And then they <laughs> took her ashes and they, they took her ashes and they put it in the ink. And then they accident and then in the context of this documentary, because the documentary doesn't know there was an accident, they give the ink to the mother for her tattoo, like her memorial tattoo for her daughter. And the mother's like, oh, my God, now she's always with me. I'm so moved to tears. This is such a beautiful way to remember her, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, now we know that it's actually in the heroine's wrist. Um, and that's just this is just like the midpoint of the movie. This, this is like is... 20 minutes in. <laughs> Yeah, I think. Well, actually, no, no. it's it's revealed that she has memorial tattoo about 20 minutes and the mom doesn't show up until a bit later after something else completely shocking has happened. Is that after? I think so. Right. Because she's she's in bed. She's like in a wheelchair. Right. When the mom comes to visit her. That makes sense. I think. Yeah. So, so you want you want to tell you want to tell our, our listeners what what other shocking thing happened and and why? <sighs> yeah. So, I mean, she. And I'm trying to remember kind of what precipitates this, but the the PTSD is building up for her, plus the stress of whatever the hell is going on with this tattoo, which usually manifests itself as it's like burning. The tattoo is burning and kind of inflamed, and it's it's painful for her. She tries to get it removed, but that's also very painful even before they try even before they begin the procedure of removing it. So her life mm-hmm. is really kind of unraveling. She attempts to hang herself at one point. And then I'm trying to remember what precipitates her her big suicide attempt. Well, well, the thing I remember is that she's like trying to go about her life, and like there's people in the coffee shop like watching her like oh, snuff right. film video on their phone and laughing at her. Right, because her 
rapist presumably released the video, which seems actually no. I guess the way the internet is, that video would continue to make the rounds despite anything. But yeah, people people know her and are recognizing her from the video of her assault, which obviously is even more traumatic on top of all the trauma that she's already dealing with to begin with. And she ends up and this is this was a shocking scene to me. She I think she's supposed to be doing something with the maid or something. And oh, the maid is trying to draw her out, like come. Right. I'm trying to remember what what's going on. The maid is like, come have dinner or whatever. And our 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 protagonist is at a breaking point and she turns and just like runs out to the balcony of her apartment building and jumps off falls like six floors and we see the fall from above from the balcony it's a great shot honestly she gets plastered by a car like fucking meet joe black or fucking uh halloween halloween too and winds up in a wheelchair as a result of all this which frankly i don't know how you walk away from that well i mean she didn't <laughs> oh no! But you know what I wow. you know what I mean you know what I yeah, mean yeah yeah yeah. See, uh, you watch that scene that you watch that shot and you're like, whoa, she's dead. Now what's gonna happen? Right. right. And then it's like it, it, it's like in Metal Gear Solid Four. This is a deep cut from a Metal Gear Solid fans out there. It's like <laughs> in Metal Gear Solid Four when Raiden's holding back the battleship and he can't hold it back anymore, and the whole fucking battleship runs him over onto the fucking pier, and it cuts to black, and you hear the m- memory of Rose saying. Remember how we met Jack? But then it cuts to like Snake walking down like the deck of another ship and he's like, Raiden's gonna be okay. <laughs> it was just like that. There's a Rose and Jack in Metal Gear Solid. Yes, of course there is. Is it a reference to Titanic? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh but yeah. She she winds up in a wheelchair and and again I'm just kind of puzzled by the choice of preview image on Netflix because this is a rather shocking development in this movie, and yet they show you she's in a wheelchair right in the the preview image. And it's like so odd choice. I, I barely, I hardly ever pay attention to those images. I did not grasp that. Um, person I was watching this movie with remembered that and was like, "This person is uh, going to be in a wheelchair, right?" And I said, "No, I think." I think I don't think she's in a wheelchair. I was like, it's probably a. I was. I guess. I guess her. I was like, it was probably just a picture of her office chair, of her office chair. And then she's yeah, like, sounds like you, Chris. She spends she spends the first twenty thirty minutes of the movie in an office chair, like rolling around. I was like, see, and you're it, like, see, there you go. It's got to just be an office chair. And then she actually gets hit by a car and ends up in a wheelchair. I'm like, oh yeah, my bad. And the wheelchair looks nothing like the office chair. Yeah. But yeah, now we have a and, a... and that happens like a fucking half hour into the movie, I think. No, you guys, your time, minutes, you're, you're, said, you're experiencing time dilation effects. You should check the foundation of your building for a black hole, maybe. Because <laughs> I think your time... This was like half... This is halfway through the movie. I'm reviewing the least. tape. Continue talking. That's definitely halfway through the movie. The, the tattoo reveal was early on, though. But now we have like sort of a like rear window disabled protagonist thing going on where yep. uh, we know that our heroine is going to be stalked and menaced by a killer at some point. And, you know, she, she's now her mobility is limited. Um, she makes some great improvements in her mobility during the course of the month or whatever it is that we follow her. But um, by the end of the movie, she's still largely confined to a wheelchair. Um, if only with like broken ankles. There's some great wheelchair foo in this movie too. Toward the end. <laughs> oh yes, of course. Oh yeah, I guess it does take a while for her to end up in the wheelchair. That is about halfway. Fair. Correct again. I'm correct again as usual. <laughs> no one's righter than you. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so basically, then as New Year's Eve approaches, you know, we know the shit's gonna hit the fan, and I mean, there's not real major story beats until the ending, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't I think so right. because the yeah, and and the ending kind of arrives in an interesting fashion because I don't know, I'm I'm a time checker. I know you're not, Chris, but um, I I was checking the time, and as it was clearly ramping up to this final confrontation, I was like, wow, this is very early to be getting started on this. How is this going to play out? You know, mm. Um, mm-hmm. but this movie has a very big trick or, or gimmick up its sleeve for the finale. 
Yeah, certainly. I mean, I guess the emotional, because after she gets injured, you were right, like the, the, that's when the mother shows up and plays the documentary. And so we kind of get this like emotional climax where it's like, oh, look, like you're a victim. This woman's a victim. There's some solidarity going on between you and all this stuff. And it's, it's kind of a sweet thing. And, and if the movie had ended like that, it could have, you know, passed for just like a kind of like a sentimental drama movie or something like that and probably been fine. Um, then we move on to it's New Year's Eve, my birthday, by the way. The, the, the killer shows up at this woman's house, basically, mm-hmm. and kills the maid, kills the security guy, kills everyone in, around this house effortlessly, stalks, chases our hero, sets the hero's bedroom on fire, and catches our hero, tortures our hero, kills our hero. Decapitates her. Dies. Lights are Decapitated. on fire. We see it Lit from the perspective fire. of her head, which is pretty horrifying and novel. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our hero is dead. Game over. Game over. <laughs> but wait, is it? Because remember, we're, this isn't just an ordinary woman. This is a gamer. <laughs> 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 and uh, she noticed that. Is this, did she notice before this happened that she had three tattoos? No, no. I think that's when this is or, revealed. Okay, or no, it does. No, she does notice it because she only has two when she comes back. Yeah. So. So there is an odd moment where she notices this. That she now has three of the same tattoo lined up on her arm. The tattoo we've seen throughout the a, movie. And that tattoo—it's a heart, universal symbol of health and life for for gamers, and it's got uh, like a game controller in it. So she's got three of those. And so she dies. And guess what? She she respawns <laughs> from her checkpoint where it's 11 o'clock again on New Year's Eve. And now she's only got two hearts on her arm. And so I'm like, oh, yep. She games so hard that she has extra lives IRL. <laughs> and, this, this, and, and this, of course, rhymes with the cancer survivor having yeah. beaten cancer three times. So... Is this a power that she kind of inherited from the cancer survivor? Is the is the true strength of the of a woman being a gamer or being a cancer survivor in the in this movie? I think I think it's more about the cancer. I'm not sure. Well, the the mom also <laughs> alludes to the deceased woman uh, having you know some connection, some spiritual connection to our protagonist, and says something about. Um, yeah, the, along the lines of like she's reaching out through you, and she would want you to fight, and that line kind of comes back at some point in the finale. Alternatively, we are also, you know, very distinctly shown that sign on the wall about uh, what, what is it about deja vu? Steven said it once already. It's something like, uh, yeah. yeah, what what if real life is a video game and deja vu or just right yeah there's also another one that says something like gaming ruined my life but don't worry i have three more or something like that (laughs) that was in the closet i think yeah yeah and so to me i i I liked this um because it, it you can read it either way as like you know some spiritual or supernatural thing where she has some sort of power lent to her by this woman she's connected to in this strange way um or maybe it is just deja vu or maybe she's just doing the hush thing where she's envisioning different scenarios like it kind of it's it's open to an inter- interpretation in a way that I liked and I was glad that I wasn't led by the nose to a certain explanation of it and that it wasn't you know expositioned to all hell yeah and I'm trying to remember I don't th- I think it is ambiguous because they don't do something that I would have appreciated like I don't think she is able to progress in these scenarios using knowledge from the prior run, right? No, she definitely like she, does. Cause she's like looking out the window again to see like who's in the chair and she, yeah, she's definitely operating with more knowledge. Cause she like later okay. in, in the final run, like she knows how long it's going to take the police to get there when she calls the police and, Right. Well, that could be chalked up to like the hush thing, like envisioning scenarios or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. But but like what I'm saying is like, is there something where she has like a precognition of what is happening or what is going to happen mm. that she can use in a later scenario? And I guess you're right, because as opposed to like investigating the noises and stuff, she's like, oh, wait, I know what that is, et cetera. So. So maybe it's not maybe this is actually just really happening, you know, because you wouldn't be able to. 
envision scenarios using knowledge from other scenarios that haven't happened. Mm. That makes sense. Anyway, I liked the I liked the ambiguousness of it, and I also liked the reveal as it goes along that what we thought is just one killer is in fact three killers, all wearing the same mask. So the threat kind of uh, uh, increases exponentially. It yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's exponential, but it triples. Uh, yeah, not exponentially. <laughs> it sounded good. Um, the word felt right in my mouth. And these these killers are dripped out. Let me just say that. They look fucking sick. Dripped out. I've been told you're not supposed to praise killers and rapists for looking cool. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm separating the art you from the artist. You needed someone today. to tell you that. <laughs> I'm separating the art from the artist. These guys look great. They're wearing like motorcycle jackets <laughs> and skull masks and they look pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, there's three of them, and we know there's three of them so that our hero can kill at least two of them in the final scenario, and that's basically what she does. She's able to fight back, bludgeon, beat, burn, etc., uh, these three killers, and ultimately survive. You know, and I kind of liked that the killers were, we just don't know shit about them. They never become characters. They never speak a line. They're just masked psychos, and I appreciated yes. that because I'm fucking tired of killers becoming characters hmm. all right well here's what i didn't appreciate the one of the main problems in this woman's life is sort of uh her guilt and alienation over her parents particularly her father telling her that she should have fought back against her assailant and that it's kind of her fault for getting raped the movie kind of settles on like yeah, like that you should have. <laughs> you know? Does it? Huh. Because her big moment at the end of the movie, the only like the difference in her third and final run where she's able to succeed and save her life is she's like, you know what? I'm not gonna be a coward. I'm not gonna hide in the dark. I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna fight these people finally. Like I'm gonna and I think they even they do they even use the audio clip again of her father? They might. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Mm. But, God, I don't even know if that was in my version. But I thought it was I thought it was weird that it's like clearly you're not supposed to sympathize with the father earlier in the flashback when he's like, you know, oh, you should have been stronger, you should have fought, etc. But then to have that be the resolution and the the change that she actually makes to survive, I thought it was a little uh upsetting. I don't see that as the change she makes to survive. I feel like she makes, she attempts to run, fight, etc. from square one and just she makes the wrong decisions in doing that and like learns better how to, how to strategize as she goes through each run and ends up enlisting uh, the maid to help her, which is a lot of fun too. The maid ends up like helping set one of the killers on fire. No, there's a whole there's a whole difference in her attitude in the third run because you remember the shot where like her hands hovering over the light switch and then she's like, No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn on the lights this time. I'm gonna be brave this time. I'm gonna be a fighter this time. Well, I mean, I don't think that has anything to do with the rape. That just Well, I mean, I guess it is the PTSD. It's her rejecting the the instinct or whatever that she has as a result of the PTSD to turn on the light as soon as she wakes up. All right. Well, cer- yeah, certainly she's overcoming her fear of the dark, but I, I, I didn't read any of it as, <laughs> yes, she should have fought the person who raped her while she was tied up and unable to do anything. That'd be pretty fucked up. Yeah. Well, I, I, I understand. That, that wasn't the impression the, I got. The unfair criticism of her throughout the whole movie has been mm-hmm. that she should have taken more responsibility for her circumstances and fought harder. And then it ends with this like dramatic emotional moment where it's like, aha, she's learned that she needs to fight harder. And I thought it was a little tone deaf, mm. but different strokes for different folks. But that's basically the movie. I mean, I don't even know what else there's to say. I was disappointed that she didn't save the maid in any of the three scenarios. I was a little bummed out by that. Cause the maid was a pretty cool sidekick. Like in fact, I thought she was going to have, oh, because it's the second run. Allow me to rewrite the movie because this would have been better. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) By all means. After the end of the second run, 
they're decompressing and like the cops are on the scene and it's sort of like the resolution but you know so she still has one life left so you're like something's she's gonna die again and do this again because she we know she has a life left um and at that point the maid's dead and i was like well well, well, wait a minute we know this, this character is obsessed with doing better and beating the high score in pac-man every time is she going to be content to have all the maid die, the security guy die, all her friends die? Or is she going to like kill herself right now? Cause we know she's capable of that and go back and respawn <laughs> and do a perfect run where she saves everybody's life. We know she's capable of killing herself because we've seen multiple suicide attempts. It's actually the one thing she can't do. Apparently. I guess, I guess. <laughs> So anyway, so I, I would have preferred that it was sad to see, you know, these sweet characters like the maid and everybody be dead at the end of the yeah, movie. Yeah, it was a huge bummer. So, Seriously. I thought it was going to be kind of cool and gamer like for her to be like, all right, I did it, but eh, I can do better on the next run. But she only had three lives. She was out. I'm saying after the second the one. Run. Oh, yeah. But she tried. I mean, she did her best on the third run. Sometimes you don't get, we're, your, we're not, we're not, you don't get your high <laughs> score. Sometimes you don't get the high score. Is that the, the ultimate lesson of the film? <laughs> yeah, sometimes you don't get the high score. <laughs> well, that's your movie. It's your movie. Game over. I was... Yep, that's, that's Patrick's view it right there. That was my view it. I, that was a cheer-worthy finale for me. I was I was enthralled. And when you're actually like lighting these killers on fire, stabbing them in the foot, all this shit, beating them to death with a fucking leg <laughs> uh, thing from the wheelchair... Great. I was completely invested. I was like, get him. I em. did like that the arsonist was set on fire. That was fun. As a, as a recent victim of arson, <laughs> um, I, I, I've got a vendetta. And I, I liked that the guy who was going to throw the Molotov instead set himself on fire. Yeah. Or they set him on fire. Yeah. With that candle, I had a hard time believing that candle would have stayed lit as it flew through the air. Uh, I mean, that's him. classic movie trope, though. I mean, people throw lighters and shit. Like, no, wood wick, nothing man. nothing that people throw to light something <laughs> on fire from a distance really would stay lit <laughs> in time to to <laughs> ignite the blaze. Should have been a Zippo, windproof. Are Zippos win- windproof? Supposedly. Yeah, man. Huh. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Zippo is almost a perfect lighter. I love the design. It's just in 60 years they haven't figured out how to make it not make your hand and pocket smell like lighter fluid i'm trying to remember why yeah. do you have a zippo because you do not smoke like what do you have a zippo for because they're fucking cool bro <laughs> they are That's fucking cool and like didn't we have a whole thing about this on put in bay did we? Probably. I, I was trying. Probably. I was trying to find a Zippo somewhere. Yeah, sounds about right. And also, it's like you know, imagine you're out on a, on a deck watching a boat. You're. I mean, people don't smoke anymore, but the, the, the ultimate male fantasy is is you're out on a boardwalk somewhere at, at dusk, <laughs> and the most beautiful woman you've ever seen in your life <laughs> is walking down the pier, and she pulls out a cig right next to you, and she's like, "Do you have a light?" And you pull out not a bic. <laughs> Do I ever? Fuck a bic. <laughs> Fuck a bic. You pull out a zippo. <laughs> Ka-chink. And she's like, oh my God, is this fucking Cary Grant? And then when you see her face in the glow of the lighter, you realize, oh no, it's Jeannie Moreau. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of movies that take 30 years to make. Oh, that's why you got a bit, wasn't it? Um... A Zippo, you mean? Don't make that. Oh yeah, don't sorry, a Zippo. Mistake. Zippo. Don't get it twisted. Yes, but since then I've bought my own. Okay, that's nicer. Yeah, I bought that one at like an antique store. Oh, okay. For the listening audience, the, the genie, Mar- the arms of Genie Moreau is the horror film that Chris and I infamously made like one third of, and ten years ago, ten years ago, and have never finished. Listen, we'll reopen the patient. Sure, sure. I'm going to fix the website and then we're going to make Jeannie Moreau. <laughs> Jeannie Moreau coming in 2047. <laughs> I mean, at this point, you're already going to have to deep fake Patrick. Oh, so yeah, we're going to have to, if you wait that long, we've you're going to have to deep fake everybody. <laughs> we've discussed this. Jesus Christ. You know what? Let's just hire the guy who did the deep fake uh, Irishman and have him do it. <laughs> Let's hire whoever aged up Chris Evans for. Endgame, because that shit looks sick.
He can yeah. he can he can de-age or he could age up the the old footage to make make us look as old as we are now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, what the hell are we watching next time, Steven? Yeah, so Chris, you kind of inspired me earlier with your talk about the thing, the master John Carpenter, how even his films in the wrong aspect ratio can still bang. We're going to watch one I have never seen, starring notable piece of shit. I already forgot his name. James Woods? Um, James Woods. We're watching John Carpenter's Vampires, guys. Is it on Netflix? Well, of course. I hope so. It's trending. (laughs) I would hope after five years, Steven understands the assignment enough to find something that's on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) I own it on Blue. I'll probably watch it on blue to guarantee it's in the correct aspect ratio. Oh, I'm excited. You're going to have to have me over to watch that in the new basement. It's going to be great. Whoop, whoop. Patrick it's going to be so too. much fun, guys. <laughs> the theme song for James, James Woods. Fuck James Woods. But his theme song in that movie, To Die For. Mm. Does it have words? <laughs> no. No. That would be sick. Oh, man. James Woods. Vampires. Another movie that has a great opening 10 minutes and then the rest of the movie never never rises to that level well we're not reviewing it yet chris <laughs> all right this game is over revisit this vampires. game is over you don't get any more lives chris all right the game's over that'll be in two weeks we're watching john carpenter's vampires join us then uh and that's it thank you so much talk to us online we'd love to hear from you on our discord or by email or twitter or whatever have you there's a link there's a link to the discord in the show notes if you're looking for it Yes, yes. All right. Because you can't find it otherwise. Sorry. I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Steven. Goodbye.